I just wanted to thank you guys for praying for our school. It's, it's just going, we're having an awesome school year. One of the joys of my life is being involved in that and, uh, you know, sitting around with high school and middle school students and just, there's a, there's a fire that has been lit under some people's bones in there of <laughs> spiritual fire. And uh, it's just an awesome time. We're having explosive chapel services of worship and just the hunger is so intense um, for the Lord. And, uh, you know, that kind of go, goes hand in hand with our youth ministry and the Rush student ministry. Just ask Addison. They just came back from a camping trip and he was sharing some, some reports there. So just share a little bit of that. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I had this whole agenda set up and uh, the kids just took over. I mean, really, they, they, we were getting ready to do my, what I had set up. They looked at me and go, can we go down by the river and pray? I was like, no, uh-uh. Don't think so. <laughs> All right, we'll go down the river. I mean, they, and that was them the whole time. You didn't even, I didn't even have to, I mean, I said the things before, don't do this, don't do that, don't go off by yourself, don't go off if you're two and boy and girl and all that stuff. But it, it was never a problem. And the thing that was awesome was the kids really led the meetings, really went after it. I mean, uh, Andrew shared, but after it, like you say, so what did you get out of it or what do you think? They were asking questions and going after it. You know, usually you get one, yeah, it was good. You know, and then the last <laughs> night it was just we just we just uh, sat around talking around the fire, and I think we started at like ten maybe, or maybe no 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 it was like nine, and went between talking about the Lord and who He is in our lives and all that stuff, and this is the kids, not me. They're talking about it to each other till twelve o'clock at night. I mean, this is not, I want to go play games and do all this stuff, which we did play games and had fun, but we worshiped on and on and on, and I was thinking this one group down the, down the way is probably thinking, they are crazy. <laughs> but, um, but it was real awesome. I mean, one of the things was at, we were ending, ending the last night of, of just basically discussion, and I said, do y'all have anything the Lord's saying? And I, and I knew it was probably going to be like, no. But... All of a sudden, one person says something, then another person says something, and it was like the starting of the meeting instead of the end of the meeting, and so it just kept going and going, and, and honestly, I could do youth group forever if it's like this, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was a joy. I got ministered to while I was there. The kids went off with it in the direction that they knew, to the point was, at the, at the beginning, the first day, I like to just get to know each other. They're looking at me and going... This is not real spiritual. And I'm like, man, they're hungry. You know, if I don't give them enough, they're, they're going to do it themselves, you know. So anyways, I just want to let y'all know what's going on in the youth. Yeah. There's really hung, awesome. hungry youth right now. So. Yeah. Amen. We got to be thankful for that. So I uh, said in the first, since Byron already preached my message, I'm just going to preach in tongues for about 30 minutes. And, those who have ears to hear will hear what the Spirit says. And, hey, you never know. I might not be kidding. <laughs> then Marlon will get up and interpret for the next two hours. So, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Are y'all doing okay? Everybody have a pretty good week? 
Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't very good. <laughs> no, all, my, all sincerity, all of my kids have been on antibiotics and sick, all four of them this week. So, in fact, Anna Grace had to go to the emergency room this morning with a little pneumonia, and she woke up kind of blue and stuff. And, uh, but Dean got a word of knowledge this morning about this little girl. And Anyway, it happened to be her. He didn't know it, but he did when he came in and told it to me. We prayed in the first service, and then I called Sarah in between services. And by the time she got to the ER, all of her color was restored. They test her 100% oxygen flow. She didn't even have to have a prick or anything. So she's at home right now. Yeah. So that's good. You know, it's just one of those weeks of uh, sleepless nights and I got a couple hours of sleep last night so <laughs> you know how that is you could relate a little bit I'm sure um, uh, but at the, on the other hand one cool thing is every time I sat down to read the Bible this week I got this Holy Ghost intoxication come over me <laughs> like yeah and it, I mean just more Lord just more of that I blame Marlon for that he he imparted something to me so whatever is going on more Get it, Lord. I mean, I was reading the prologue of Luke and got blasted. No, seriously. Like, the most excellent Theophilus, you know, he's talking to Theophilus. It just cracks me up. Nobody can figure out who Theophilus is. And I was like, oh, that's because nobody was supposed to. You know what Theophilus means? Theo, God, Philus, friend, like Philadelphia, friend of God. And the Lord was like, I mean, I don't know if this was a real person or not, because nobody knows. They just say he was a person of high rank. He was like, I wanted to write this narrative to you, Matthew, oh, friend of God. You know? <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'm a person of high rank. I'm a king and priest. You know, it's like, have you ever been in those times where just the simplest little kind of almost stupid thing <laughs> in the Scripture seemingly becomes so alive and life-giving to your soul? You know, so Lord, more. Just bring it on more, God. Bring life. Thank you, Lord. So uh, what would you guys think about Michelle last week, man? Gosh, that, that woman just rocked me. I mean, the Lord rocked me through that woman, I should say. But what an amazing time. Um, I think I just wept the whole service. And uh, the Lord was just, I, I told somebody later that week, I was like, you know, here's the thing. Here's what I kept feeling is, I don't know if I've taken this far enough, <laughs> you know, like this, this, this thing, this journey that have I taken this far enough, Lord? I mean, not that everyone's not called to go to Sudan, but I mean, just in terms of spiritual perspective, you know, and then um, Wednesday, I wasn't able to be here because of the sickness in the family and everything, but I listened on the website to excerpts. Man, what in the world was that? I mean, David Helton is leading worship for like an hour and a half on lead guitar, but it wasn't just the tones of the music. It was like something, heaven was being released. How many people were here on Wednesday? Can you pull up the website again? Is that handy? Right there, I want you guys to know this. You can go to the media link on the website, and under that, there's a little tab that says worship, like up at the top, Milt, you see media up there? Yeah, right there, down, go down and click on worship, and then like right there, the first two entries are from this past Wednesday, and I just got completely touched by the Lord and ministered to in soaking time. If you've got a decent computer, you can just hit stream there, and it'll, um, and you can just sit there, and it's a great tool to have in your time. So excited about Jonathan coming and 
worshiping with us on Wednesday night. And uh, I thought from that, as I was listening to that, I was thinking, you know, this is not just a natural thing that we're doing. We're primarily supernatural beings, right? The Bible tells us God is spirit. We're spirit. It's like um, I, I sit and talk to my students in first period about the, the, the section we're on in our curriculum is Christian philosophy. You know, so we just sit there and stroke our beards and, you know, talk about what is all this really? You know, and now in, in all sincerity, the textbook definition of Christian philosophy is supernaturalism, that there's a natural realm and a spirit or supernatural realm, you know. And so we're talking about things like, what is this book really, you know, besides just English words on a page? You know, we're talking about how this is a very spiritual book, isn't it? And, and therefore, when we approach it just from a natural level and trying to fit God into the words on these, into this box here, sometimes I think we get really messed up in our perspective. If you can follow the meaning behind what I'm trying to say, I don't want you to take me wrongly. This is a really important thing, and it's not to downplay the Word of God and the Holy Bible. However, have, has it ever dawned on you that the first church didn't have this book? I mean, they had half of it. They had the Old Testament, and they were getting emails from Paul about 60 AD or whatever it was. They were getting little letters in the mail. But for the most part, they did everything they did. Why am I holding this? <laughs> everything they did, they did through their relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that true? So what I'm saying is not to downplay the importance of the Bible, but to upplay, if that's a word, the importance of the person of the Holy Spirit being one of the big keys. So have we taken it far enough? The Lord gave me the word for this morning, a very powerful but simple word, freedom. You know, and then Byron comes up and blows me away with saying all this stuff about getting free and what we prayed through for a lot of you this morning. It was like, wow, okay, Lord. Here's the title of my message. It's called, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. We got any, uh, does, is there any older Christians in here who remember the late, great Keith Green? All right, this is for you. So you can listen to that on iTunes if you have that and enjoy the rest of it. But uh, 
So you want to go back to Egypt here. And, you know, Egypt can does represent spiritually the world, right? And as we become Christians and are born again, we're delivered out of that. But for the context of what I want to present to you this morning, uh, is Egypt represents where we've been. You know, it represents that, that place. In, in some regards, the Israelites were very comfortable there, even though they were slaves. So the question is, again, have we taken this far enough? Or would we really just rather go back to our comfortable religious modes of doing church, you know, coming on Sunday, maybe a Wednesday here and there, and whatever it is that's comfortable for us, or do we really want to press on for more that the Lord may have for us? Um, just to, for you long-timers, forgive me for the, for the redundancy of this, but here's, here's our heritage, okay? Here's our family. Here's our kinfolk. There's a guy named Abram, right? God called him and said, You're gonna, your descendants are going to be as many as the sand on the seashore. All nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. Renamed him Abraham. He had a son named Isaac, right? Isaac then had a son named Jacob, whose name was later changed by the Lord to Israel. That's where the name of the nation comes from, by the way. And Israel had 12 sons, right? And one of those was Joseph. So we often call those three guys, and maybe the fourth one, the patriarchs. So Joseph was one of 12. In that day of Joseph and his brothers, they, they didn't have a very good relationship, a little bit of sibling rivalry. They decide they're going to ditch him. They sell him to some, a caravan of travelers, which take uh, Joseph off to Egypt, a distant land. It just so happens in that day that there's a really bad stuff going on in the world, mainly famine, right? The world is a little bleak and dark and grim. might be similar to our world today in some standards and some applications. And it just so happens that God works all things together for good for Joseph, and he goes from being a slave and then a prisoner to actually getting to be second in command of the nation of Egypt and in control of the nation's food supply, which is a really great position to have when the world's in famine, for you at least. Well, unbeknownst to them, his 11 brothers and 75 of the clan of, the, of, the, of Israel, they, um, just like everybody else, getting kind of desperate measures. They need some food. So they head down to Egypt and start asking, come to realize, of course, at the end of the book of Genesis that Joseph is actually um, in charge of all this. And, you know, crazingly, as crazy as it seems, he has become the second in command in this land. And so there's a really big blessing on their way, and they bring their whole uh, clan of 75 people at this time, or around that number, I believe, to Egypt, and they settle there. The only problem is, as Joseph's generation died and he passes away, so also the Pharaoh passes on, or the ruler of Egypt. And the Bible says a Pharaoh that didn't remember Joseph looks around and's like, what's up with all these Hebrews, you know? Why, you know, there's, who are these people? And really would like to kind of get rid of them or at least keep them from multiplying quite as quickly as they are. Because they're multiplying into the thousands now, into the tens of thousands. Um, until the very, basically they end up in slavery for 400, 400 some odd years, all depending on who you talk to. 400 years in slavery until the great deliverer, Moses is born and comes to deliver them out. And God does all kinds of cool stuff. Most of you guys know the story, or maybe at least from Sunday school, 
all the, the, the plagues and the parting of a Red Sea, all these things. And these people end up leaving slavery, delivered across this great vast wasteland into what we call the wilderness, right? In between somewhere the land of promise, which is Canaan and Egypt. And it's interesting that despite having been delivered physically from their oppression and from their slavery, in their hearts, they remained in chains. Um, when the Lord was speaking to me about freedom, He said, Matthew, it's always been my heart from the beginning to set my people free. Yet some of us, and I think this is what Byron was going after this morning, we already had ministry time, some of us still remain captives in our hearts. Here's just a couple examples of what I'm talking about, and I don't have this up on the screen, but this is, starts in Exodus 15. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, verse 22, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance, and there he tested them. Then if you go on in chapter 16, it's like once again they're about to stone Moses because they don't have any food. And the Lord says to Moses in verse 4, Behold, I'll rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. And in verse 7, And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. They looked up toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And on and on. In the next chapter, they again don't have any water, so God's like, Hey Moses, take your rod and hit the rock. Can you imagine... How much water it would take to let four million people drink? That's a lot of water, much less to flow from a dry old rock. But that's exactly what happened. So you talk about the pinnacle of the glory of God happening in your midst. You talk about the most astounding signs and wonders and miracles that probably the human race could see, or at least up there, ranking up there. Yet, time and time and time again, well, I don't know, that's pretty cool, but God, but you know, a pillar of cloud and fire and all. But, you know, at least back in Egypt, we had a roof over our head. You know, at least we could count on a little ration of meat at night. We're out here like manna for breakfast, manna sandwich for lunch, manna souffle for dinner. You know, over and over again. Come on, Lord, what is the deal here? And just grumbling and complaining. In their hearts, they're still captives. They're still held by this tie to what had been. I think freedom comes when we obtain the understanding with the minds of our heart. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the minds of our heart that Byron's been talking about. Whose you are in Him, that you're not a slave anymore, you're a son. You know, and as many times as it's said, there's still people sitting in this room and in all of our churches, being a church in America today, not understanding what it means to be a son and not a slave. Have they been born again? Yes. But their hearts are still captured. They're still enslaved by something in their heart. And maybe it has been a spiritual father that has brought pain or rebellion by the person. 
which, you know, that can be a very um, difficult thing for you to overcome as well. Your own rebellion, it had been for me. Or maybe it's the rejection, the pain by a natural father. Whatever the case is, that orphan spirit, that lack of belonging, it's just hard to get up in the morning pursuing the Lord, bringing you into everything that He has for you when that thing is constantly there. And I want to read a scripture here in Romans 8 that Paul really talks about this. He says, this is Romans 8.15, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Papa, Father. In Egypt there was fear. There was the threat of the taskmaster and the whip. There was a fear of tomorrow. There was a fear of what are my children going to do? There was a fear of how am I going to ever obtain this or get that or how, you know, what all the questions that even we can still battle today. But we're not in Egypt anymore. We're not in that place anymore. In fact, just throw out for a moment Egypt representing not being born again. Even after being a Christian, a lot of us have been captured in this place that is like it won't let us move on. What do I mean by captured? I mean entrapped by some soul issues like this orphan spirit or like things that just keeps us from being able to press through into all that God has. And not only that, but fear and faith can't coexist. So like the Israels came to a place where they saw the land of promise, yet they could not enter in. It's like we could be in that same position. Whereas the Lord is like, Look at how great this is. Let's say the Father's house, for example, this vision that we have corporately. Look how great this is. Look at what I want to do. And we're like, well, that giant's a little too big. You know, I'm I'm all for kingdom stuff, but giant fighting? Come on, guys. Like, let's, let's be practical here, you know? I was thinking about the Father's house in the past couple of weeks and talking to a few of you guys about things like, um, inner city ministry and um, uh, a ministry kind of like Teen Challenge that frees people, young people, people from addictions and, um, we've, you know, schools and, and all sorts of different things. And I was like, Lord, I believe this is a vision from you. I believe that this is a place that you want to take us, you know. So, Lord, free me in order to be able to see it and get there. Amen? Verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may be glorified with Him. We're heirs. God offered in chapter 19 of Exodus The children of Israel, he said, I want you guys to be a a whole nation of kings and priests. And they kind of declined on the offer, as the story goes. And it's like, nah, Mo, you go ahead. We'll hear God through you. It's like the Lord, of course we know this, but the Lord, here's the reality, here's our inheritance. We're all kings and priests, aren't we? We've all come into this place called a heavenly Jerusalem where we can experience the throne room seated with Him in heavenly places. 
But if we want to go back to Egypt, if we want to go back to the old natural way of seeing things and like, well, I don't know about that. And, you know, the Holy Spirit can only move in A, B and C ways or, you know, whatever it is for you. I don't want to put a, a limit on those things. The Lord wants to bring us into a new place. Okay? And I just happen to think, I don't know how to say this. I'm struggling for these words. Is have we gone far enough? <laughs> so I know what some of you are thinking. I think we've gone maybe a little too far. But I don't know. I don't know because when I sit here and listen and watch Michelle Perry, a woman who was born without a leg, who's pouring her life out in, the, in a war-torn you know, terror zone, facing machine guns in her face. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm not trying to convince us that we're all supposed to be like Michelle Perry. I'm trying to say we're all supposed to be like Michelle Perry in the sense of not loving our lives even unto death. I get so caught up in me. It's a human condition. I can't see the promise because of me. You know, here's an example. Like somebody gives you a hundred bucks, let's say, and the Lord immediately says, give 20 of it away. You're like, well, wait, uh, wait, if I give 20 away, here's the first thought. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm going to have enough to cover this. And what about that? You know, and like all these questions and these doubts, instead of responding, Lord, you bless. Now I return that blessing to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like there's all these questions, all these doubts, all these fears. And we say, no. Fear. You got to die. Because no, we're not slaves to fear anymore. We're, we're sons. We're daughters. We're heirs of an inheritance. Fellow heirs with Christ, it says, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider it, Paul says, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I take such great comfort in this passage right here as I read this. Because when we go and going through a season of suffering, to think that we are privileged to share with Him in suffering so that we also may share with Him in His glory. To be glorified in Him. For I don't consider the sufferings to, to not, uh, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Love in my life, not love in my life, even unto death. To read on in verse 19, For the ancient longings of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Even the whole creation was corrupted by sin. The rocks, the, the whole nature, it all waits for a revealing that the Lord has brought in His glory through us. I'm going to go down to verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoptions, our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. I don't have this on the screen, but on down in verse 26. This is the next verse. It says that in the same way the Spirit helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches the heart knows that the mind of the, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, so Wednesday night, if you were one of those people that was here and was wondering, or you're listening to it on the website and not understanding, here's the bottom line. The sounds produced by a guitar or by the groans of people's voices, the purpose is not for a natural good sound to be released. Does that make sense? There is something much deeper. Okay, again, this goes back to philosophy. This goes back to what is the purpose of what we're doing here. My submission is that it's primarily spiritual, second natural. Now that natural uh, expression fits within the pages of this book. But like Bill Johnson says, God never contradicts His Word, but He loves to contradict our understanding of His Word. Okay, so it's very true. So when approaching these sorts of things that are going on, we have to keep in mind, and in fact, it's pretty explicit right here, that there are groans, the Bible says, that come out. I don't know what to pray, but oh, basata. Well, where's the interpretation for that? I don't know, but oh, you know, it's like there are groans that the Holy Spirit releases, but even in our own minds, in our natural minds, we can get trapped by trying to fit it in to physical words in the English, mind you. In some cases, the King James English. Now, this is very important because Jesus was addressing this. And if I had time, I could go over example after example that the religious leaders of the day were trying to stick him. Like, well, this guy was married seven times. And so at the resurrection, whose wife is it going to be? He's like, oh, God. you guys don't get it. You know, just over and over. You know, this, the rules about the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. And Jesus is doing stuff on the Sabbath, like healing people. You know, and really bizarre things like picking kernels of grain and the such. And they're like, see, you say you're going to set up a kingdom and you don't even keep the law. He's like, oh, gosh, you're not getting it. You're trying to fit. This is a summation in my view of what Jesus is saying. You're trying to fit God, the infinite creator, into the box of this Torah and all the things you've made up to go along with it. And then you're going to point a finger at me and say, I can't be the Messiah. The kingdom of heaven is neither here nor there. But the kingdom of heaven is within you. Huh? No, 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 no. We're waiting for a guy to come and deliver us from the Romans and set up a kingdom. No. God is spirit. And the true worshipers will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So... I'm not promoting some weird, hokey-pokey, new-agey kind of, you know, some kind of sub-branch religion. Absolutely not. But, at the same time, the Lord is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Of the spirit realm, the heavens, and the earth, the natural realm. So again, my question is, have we gone far enough in pursuit of the spirit realm? Have we gone far enough? I know i got to wrap this up. Freedom is realized as we allow Him to set our hearts free just as our spirits have been freed. The children of Israel coming 
out of slavery, were physically set free, but were still enslaved in their hearts. That's why they couldn't see their inheritance with the eyes of faith. They did not understand who they were, kings and priests. This last verse here, let me just do Galatians 5, 1 and 13. You guys all right? All right. In this context, again, this passage becomes so powerful and meaningful to me. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. You see how Paul's referring back to the ancients? You, feel, you see how he's, he's assuming that you know what slavery implies there? The children of Israel? Don't be yoked again by wanting to go back to Egypt. In verse 13, For you were called to a freedom, brother. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Let's stand up together and I just want to pray and release whatever Papa wants to, wants to do. The first thing that I really feel is, I've already said this, but I'll say it again, is that peop, there's some people here that just genuinely, spiritually, God wants to reveal Himself as Daddy. In fact, some of you can't even call God that. Like it's too irreverent. It's too informal. But you're just going to have to trust me on this. God is a Father. He's a kind, loving, merciful Dad. For many of us, much unlike our natural fathers, we have to overcome that hurdle in our wounded hearts. And He loves extravagantly. And you, you cannot flee His love. His love is so all-encompassing that He desires to pick you up in His arms. And that's the, the one big secret in this thing. And then secondly, as Paul said there towards the end, don't be yoked again by, by a yoke of slavery. Overcome the flesh. Let the Spirit set you free because it's for freedom to pursue Him where He is in the Spirit realm. So let's pray. Father, Papa, Daddy, Abba, we just pursue You this morning and thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for setting us free from the yoke of slavery and bondage. And God, right now, I just speak, Lord, let Your kingdom come in this place, Lord. Lord, let Your heart be revealed in this church, God. And I just ask You to set free the individual right now who just doesn't feel worthy who doesn't feel good enough, who doesn't feel spiritual enough, who feels abandoned by their father, who feels like you're mad at them with a, with a stick waiting to punish. God, we say enough. Enough of the lies. Enough of the fear. Lord, let freedom come into their heart today. Let freedom reign into their heart. If that's you, just quietly in your heart, just let the Father love on you. Let Him love on you. There's nobody looking around. So that all the eyes closed. Just, you know, wrap your arms around yourself if you want to. 
God wants to love on you with an everlasting love. A love beyond all compare. A love that's better than your husbands or wives. It's better than a child. It's better than any human love. It's an agape love. It's unconditional. It keeps no record of wrongs. God, I pray that they'd be able to call you daddy. Let them be able to call you papa or whatever that intimate expression in words comes. Draw them close, God. Draw them close today. I just want to right now do this in the room. I want to break that orphan spirit off of us that tells us that we do not belong. This is a continual battle in the kingdom. It's a continual thing that we really need to all the time be going after our life. So right now, I just want to pray that over you again, that we would just, uh, Lord, we just present ourselves to you fresh again, to you, Holy Spirit, because you are the spirit of adoption. And Lord, you said that you would not leave us orphaned, but you would send the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, right now, we just ask that you would break off of us that orphan spirit, that orphan mindset that tells us we do not belong. Oh! We just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to come and release afresh, Lord, that those winds, the winds, Lord, of that spirit of adoption, let it come on us now, fresh, renew, renew right now in Jesus name, renew it, renew, 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 spirit of adoption, come, whoa, break those chains, 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 break them, break them, break them off of us, oh God, whoa, whoa, off of us, our hearts, our minds, our hearts, our minds, oh God, oh, oh, I would just like for the ministry team to come up, I feel like there's some people here today that need to have hands laid on them, to have this orphan thing broken off, and I would just say, come on and let the Lord do that in you. That's a real thing that's at work all the time. All the time in us. Just a fresh, just come on up. Come on. Let the Lord do that in you right now. Just release that spirit of adoption afresh. And also, if you're not a Christian here this morning, we just want to extend, I want to extend an invitation. Come and meet the God of the universe who loves you and pay the ultimate price for you. Come and just give your whole life Make Him Lord. Receive Him as Savior. Come up here this morning and just let Daddy do that. Let Him love on you. It's an amazing thing. And anybody with any sickness, would have just Jesus said He came to destroy the works of the devil. That's His mission statement. So that sickness included. So if you got any sickness, disease, whatever, big or small, I want to pray for you.
So Lord, we just thank you for that. You guys come up here for prayer. If you need to be, you can be dismissed otherwise. Bless you.